I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And today I'm going to speak to you on this subject, your spiritual resume. Now look, I've seen a lot of resumes in my days, and some are good, and some are downright bad, to be very honest with you. But if you're looking for a job, a good resume is absolutely essential. It has the power to grab the attention of recruiters and uh, bosses alike. It showcases your knowledge, your experience, and your skills. And as a believer, your spiritual resume highlights your progress in the Christian life. It can serve as a powerful testimony to your family and to the community at large. How would you rate your spiritual resume this morning? Now, we're in a series entitled, we're C- We Are CFBC. To be honest with you, this series is all about building your spiritual resume for God's glory. Not for your glory, but for God's glory. Your resume can be broken down into basically three parts. You see, before you were saved, God worked on you. He sent the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to draw you to the Lord Jesus. After you were saved, God began to work in you. And then God started working through you. Now, last week, A.J. preached about the importance of connection, connecting to God and connecting to this church and to the small group ministry of the body of Christ here. Listen, your spiritual resume will be non-existent if you do not connect to God by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, and listen, if you're a believer, if, if your resume will be absolutely shoddy and unimpressive if you don't connect to the church and its small group ministry. I believe that every believer in this church, every member of this church should be a part of a small group Bible study. I believe that with all my heart. It's in those Bible studies that you you grow spiritually, you discuss the Word of God, you pray for each other, you care for each other. It's so important that you connect to God and you connect to this church's small group ministry. Now, my focus today is on how God desires to work in you so that your spiritual resume will really pop. Take your Bible, look with me at 2 Peter chapter 1, And first today, I want us to focus our attention on what Peter revealed about the believer's, number one, spiritual life, his spiritual life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's interesting that when Peter wrote this epistle, this letter, and by the way, it wasn't addressed to a a particular church in a particular locale. It was addressed to believers at large. 
It, it's thought by the scholars that Peter may have written this epistle about two years before he was martyred because of his faith in Jesus. And right out of the starting gate, Peter pointed to the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The entire Christian life, if you boil down the Christian life to one word, here's that word, and we sang about it today, it's Jesus. The entire Christian life from beginning to end is about Jesus. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, right here in verses 1 and 2, there are three key words, three key things that Jesus provides for every believer that is absolutely desperately needed. The first one is righteousness. You see, you can't be righteous enough to go to heaven. You need the righteousness of Jesus to go to heaven. And Jesus provides that for those who believe in him and trust him as their Savior and Lord. But he also provides grace. We need grace, don't we? We need the unmerited favor of God in our lives every single day. And we need peace. We need peace with God, and we need the peace of God as we deal with the difficulties of life. Now, it's interesting here in verse 3, the Bible says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, underline the word everything in your Bible, if you underline, or if you write in a margin, just, just put a star by that. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now, Peter's referring here to the true knowledge of Jesus. And that is much more than an accumulation of facts about Jesus. Even of those facts are that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that Jesus was exalted heaven. You can know all of those facts and you can give intellectual assent to those facts and still miss heaven. That's not the kind of knowledge Peter's referring to here. You see, when God called you and you turned to Jesus in saving faith, you experienced Jesus in a very real way. And you experienced his divine power at work in your life. Listen, if you're a born-again believer in this, in this room today, I want you to know that you're saved not by your effort or your merit. You're saved by the supernatural power of Christ. He saved you. He changed you. And listen to this. Don't miss it. Everything you need to live the Christian life and to be a godly man or woman is provided for you in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3 that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You've got everything you need to grow spiritually and be the person that Christ wants you to be. You are complete in Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul wrote, For in him 
All the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Bible says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Do you realize that the Lord Jesus has provided for you a super abundance of grace and of peace and righteousness so that you can meet any challenge you might face in your Christian life. So I ask you this question. Are you a true believer? Have you repented of your sin? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? If so, you are blessed beyond anything you could dream, think, or imagine. Now let's look at verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we've said very clearly here, and the scripture is very clear about it, God has provided everything you need for life and godliness. His word is full of promises. In fact, one guy decided he was going to count all the promises of the Bible. And he said there are 7,474 promises in the Bible. Now, I'm going to take his word for it. I've not gone from Genesis to Revelation and counted all the promises in the Bible, so I'm taking this guy's word for it. But I can tell you this, there are a ton of wonderful, magnificent promises in the Bible, and God has made them available to every single believer within the sound of my voice. You see, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to impart the life and nature of God within us. You see, when you were born by your mom, you received a human nature. And when you were born again by the Spirit of God, you received a part of the divine nature. You, have a, you can participate in the divine nature. That, my friend, looks impressive on any spiritual resume. Understand this. Every believer should be conformed to the image of Jesus. Every believer. The Bible's very clear about that. You ought to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. You ought to be more like Jesus this week than you were last week. You ought to be more like Jesus this month than you were last month. You ought to be more like Jesus this year than you were last year. And I tell you, if you are increasing, increasingly becoming more like Jesus and, 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 and seeing the divine nature do a special work in your heart, I'm telling you, it's going to make your spiritual resume look really, really good. Now here's the bottom line. Build your spiritual resume. Build it. I can't build it for you. You can't build my spiritual resume. You have to build your own spiritual resume, but it starts with your spiritual life. Now God's done all of that for you. You don't have to do anything with that. You just have to believe in Jesus. 
and you receive all that. But listen, your spiritual life leads to something else. Number two, it leads to spiritual growth, spiritual growth. Now look, look at, look at this where there is life, there must be growth. You've got to understand that your salvation is not the end. It's only the beginning. The moment you were born again, some people think, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'll live any way I want to live. Can I tell you that is the most bogus idea of salvation I've ever heard in my life. The moment you were saved is the beginning of your salvation. Only the beginning. It's not the ending. From that point until the day you step into glory as a believer, God's continually working in your life. He is conforming you to the image of Jesus. It's called sanctification in theological circles. However, you must take what has been made available to you in Christ Jesus and apply it to your life. It's like this. I want you to imagine that we're at a huge lake and and We've got to go to the other side of the lake. And now here, here's the, the metaphor I'm trying to help you understand. God has provided the boat. You, you don't have to go out and create your boat. You don't have to go out and, and, and take a log and dig it out and make a canoe. You don't have to do any of that. God's even provided a paddle for you to get across the lake. But you know what you have to do? You have to get in the boat. You have to take the paddle and you have to push off from the shore and you have to paddle your way to the other side of the lake. God's not going to do that for you. See, God's going to do his part, but you have to do your part and that's your part is, is, is found in the area of sanctification from the moment you're saved to the moment you're born again. Now, God's still working at that time. You you would never grow spiritually without the help of the Holy Spirit. God's still working, but you've got to do your part. In 2 Peter 1, verse 5, look at this. Now, for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. Now, the word diligence means to make haste, to be eager, to do one's best, and to exert oneself. It's up to you to take God's amazing provision, power, and potential and apply it in such a way that you can grow spiritually and be the believer that God expects you to be. Paul sort of nailed this and explained it for us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, when he wrote this. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to what Paul said. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, notice Paul did not say work for your salvation. Because you can't work your way into heaven. He said work out your salvation. See, the minute you repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus, you were saved. You were born again. You became a part of the family of God at that moment. And then from that point, you work out your salvation until you get to heaven. 
In other words, you take what God's made available to you and you apply it in a very practical way as you live your life from day to day, week to week, month to month, and year to year. And then in verse 13, so he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling in verse 12. Verse 13, Paul wrote, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And there we have both sides of the coin. In verse 13, it's God who has worked in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And in verse 12, it's you as a believer, me as a believer, taking what God has made available to us, applying it to our lives, and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, the word here translated supply in verse 5 is an interesting word. It means to provide beyond the need. It means to supply more than generously. Peter listed seven characteristics that we need to add to our faith. Now here, as we go through this verses five through seven, I want to just paint a picture for you. I want you to imagine a cake platter. Here's a cake platter. Do you see it? Use your sanctified imagination, okay? Here's a cake platter. And what we're going to do is we're going to build a cake on, and we're going to place it on that cake platter. That's exactly what Paul's teaching here. Notice what he said the first layer of the cake is. It's moral excellence. So faith is your platter. The first layer of cake is moral excellence. To the Greek philosophers, this term moral excellence meant the fulfillment of something. The land that produces crops is excellent because it's fulfilling its purpose. The tool that works correctly is excellent because it do, it's doing what a tool is supposed to do. And a Christian demonstrates moral excellence because he or she glorifies God by their attitude and their actions. Moral Excellent. So the first layer of our cake that's going to build our spiritual resume is moral excellence. Here's the second layer. On top of moral excellence, we put the next layer, which is knowledge. Knowledge. Now the word translated knowledge in verses 2 and 3 means full knowledge, experiential knowledge, knowledge that is growing. But there's a different word for knowledge here, and it's referring to practical knowledge or discernment. It refers to the ability to handle life successfully. Listen, as we live out our Christian lives, you know that we face many challenges. There are many difficulties and heartaches that we go through in this life as believers. And and what this this amazing thing called knowledge does, it helps us to handle life successfully. In 2 Peter 1, 6, the Bible says, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. So we're adding the third layer to our cake. Man, it's going to be a pretty cake. It's going to be a good cake. It's going to really, really make your spiritual resume something special. Moral, excellent, knowledge, and then self-control, self-control. 
Now, Paul in his letters often compared the Christian to an athlete. And to be a good athlete, to really win in the athletic arena, you have to give maximum effort. You have to be disciplined. And Paul taught over and over again that if we're going to be the Christians that God's called us to be, we've got to be disciplined. We've got to give maximum effort to being who God called us to be. Now, look at the next one, perseverance. This is the ability to endure when circumstances are difficult. This is the fourth layer of our cake, perseverance. Now, self-control has to do with handling the pleasures of life. Perseverance relates to handling the problems of life. Nobody enjoys problems. Nobody enjoys trials. But we all have to go through them, right? And the meaning of of the word perseverance here literally means to, to, to endure under, to endure under. The Bible says we're to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You see, we we should be confident of this, that even though we're going through difficult moments in our lives, God's at work. Man, I appreciate that song, The Battle Belongs, don't you? What a wonderful song, what a wonderful message that is. And we need to be reminded of that when we're going through challenges in our lives. The battle belongs to God. It may look like a mountain to us, but it's a molehill when God looks at it. God can handle it, I promise you that. And I need to be reminded of that, and you need to be reminded of that as we live out our Christian life and we persevere. Perseverance is so important in our Christian lives. And then the next layer of cake, is godliness, godliness. In the original Greek, this word meant to worship well. It means reverence, to have a reverence for God. We live in an irreverent world. Have you noticed that? I I tell you, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and among God-fearing believers, we ought to have a reverence for God in the way we live our lives. I'm not talking about just coming to worship and being reverence in here. I'm talking about being reverent before God seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Godliness. It's the quality of character that allows one to live above the petty things of life and the passions and pressures that control the lives of other people around us. The godly believer seeks to do the will of God. For the glory of God. And then 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, we're building a wonderful cake here. And I'm telling you, this cake is going to make for a wonderful spiritual resume that will really impact the world around us. Brotherly kindness, the Bible. In your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Now, the word brotherly kindness here. It's a word that you would probably recognize. In the Greek language, it's the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. It means brotherly kindness. You see, it's a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll tell you, when you love the people of God, it's a sign that you've been born again. It's a sign that you're a true believer. Now, this this brotherly kindness is emphasized throughout the New Testament. 
And then the final top layer of the cake. I'm telling you, this is, this is the top layer of the cake. It's love. That's the Greek word agape. It's the kind of love that God demonstrates and shows to sinners like us. It's the love that the Holy Spirit produces in our hearts as we walk in the Spirit. You see, when we have brotherly love, we love because of our likenesses with each other. But with agape love, we love in spite of the differences we have with other people. We must be diligent, the Bible says. Right here it says be diligent. That means make every effort. Go above and beyond the call of duty to make sure that you supplement your faith with these seven qualities that Peter lists right here. That's spiritual growth. And I tell you, when these seven qualities begin to, to, to formulate in your life as you live it out, and it begins to increase, and I'll tell you, it'll make a difference in your life. It'll make a difference in those around you. It's what we call building our spiritual resume. That's how you do it, these seven qualities. Now, to do this, we've got to pay close attention to our spiritual life. Remember this about our spiritual life. Everything that you need to be a godly man and a godly woman and live a godly life has been provided for you by the Lord Jesus Christ, everything. You don't have to go out searching for something. It's already there. You just got to learn to apply it to your own life. And then your spiritual life leads to spiritual growth. And your spiritual growth will lead to, spirit number three, spiritual prosperity. The, the text just keeps building with intensity. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, For these qualities are yours... And are increasing, what qualities? The seven qualities we just discussed, right? For these qualities are yours and are increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you, as you do a quick inventory of your spiritual life today, do these seven qualities appear in your spiritual resume? Are they increasing in scope and power? The believer who is not growing, the Bible says, I didn't say, the Bible says, is useless. It's useless. Or if we wanted to soften that a little bit, we might say they're ineffective. But why do we want to soften it if the Bible says we're useless? You, you see, that's the truth about a believer who has become complacent and lukewarm. They're not interested in the things of God. They're not concerned about these seven qualities that Peter lists out right here. They're concerned about the things of this world. And, and God says, not Chuck said, but God says it makes you useless and it makes you unfruitful. Now, believers are fruitful because they are faithful. And they are effective because they are fully equipped and growing in their Christian experience. This Wednesday, we're kicking off our, a new round of our equipped classes. We've got a bunch of equipped classes. Every Wednesday night starts at 
and they're designed to equip believers. They're, they're designed to help believers who want to be diligent in adding to their, supplementing their faith and, and adding these seven qualities. These classes are designed to help you take those seven qualities and make them a reality in your life and cause them to increase in your life. Now, after we conclude today in this service, if you go out in that foyer, to the right over here, there's an equip table. And you can go sign up for an equip class. Straight there by the, by the bookstore, there is a, 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 pray, a, a 24 pray table, and you can sign up to be a part of our prayer ministry and just commit to praying 30 minutes one day a week. 30 minutes, only 30 minutes. And you can sign up, and I hope and pray we fill up all the slots, and we have multiple people in every slot. And then over to the left, as you go out in the foyer, there's a connect table. And you can go over there and sign up to be a part of a connect class, a Sunday morning connect class where you study the Bible with other believers. I hope that you'll be diligent about your spiritual growth. Now, in verse 9, 2 Peter 1, 9, the Bible says, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former, former sins. In other words, there are people who are oblivious to the things of God because they're so entrenched in the things of this world. And if we're going to grow as a believer, if we're going to be the believer God's called us to be, if we're going to build a spiritual resume, we have got to focus on the things of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, other things will be added to you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, there's that word diligent again, to make certain about his calling, God's calling and choosing you. As long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Now, there, that word diligent means to make every effort, but here it means to gain the, the assurance of your salvation. Can I tell you that God is not uncertain about your salvation? God knows if you're saved or lost. There's not a single shred of doubt in God's mind. But for us sometimes as believers, even as born-again believers, we struggle with the assurance of salvation. And what Peter is saying here in this text, it is that, that we can make certain about his calling us, he calls us to salvation, his choosing us, if we see these, this spiritual resume being built in our lives, these seven qualities begin to take place in our lives and begin to increase in our life. And you can know that God's doing something special in your life and you can have assurance of your salvation. Now listen, there's no sense here where God is saying in his word here that we do all this to retain our salvation. We don't retain our salvation. But we do this so that we can possess our salvation. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, I'm going to say something right now. Let's just clear, clear the deck. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's no other way to go to heaven. You don't go to heaven on your merit. You 
Don't go to heaven because you're religious. You go to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. In 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might, get this now, bring us to God. Who brings us to God? Jesus does. The Greeks use this phrase, abundantly supplied, to describe the welcome given to Olympic winners when they return home. You, you think that Georgia's uh, uh, parade they had for their national championship football team was something? i tell you, if you were in the Greek world of the first century, when those Greek Olympic winners came back, I'm telling you, they were paraded around, they were celebrated, they were lavish with gifts. It was something special that was was given to them because of their winning effort. Listen, here's what the Bible says. Every believer will arrive in heaven. But not every believer will have the glorious welcome that others will. That's exactly what he's saying. I'm telling you, if you're a growing Christian, if you have the spiritual resume that God wants you to have, I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, you will be lavished by God's grace and mercy. It'll be the most wonderful moment of your life. That's something special. Now, my challenge to you is the same one that Peter issued in the first century. Build your spiritual resume. You say, well, Pastor, I didn't know I could build my spiritual resume. Oh, yeah, you can. See, it all begins with your spiritual life. You've got to understand your spiritual life. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. He's provided everything you need for life and godliness. And then it continues with spiritual growth. And, and you begin to take those seven qualities and, and you build, you supplement your faith with those seven qualities and you make sure that those seven qualities keep growing and growing and manifesting themselves in a larger and larger way in your life until you arrive in heaven. And then that leads to spiritual prosperity and you're fruitful and you're making a difference for the kingdom. And you're experiencing the abundance of God in your life. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you're a born-again believer in this room, how do you evaluate your spiritual resume? Is there work to be done? Now, if we're honest, every single one of us would have to say, yep, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But here, here's another question. As Jesus looks at your spiritual resume, how would he evaluate it? See, I believe there are men and women, boys and girls, who need to come to the altar here in just a moment. And you need to bow before the Lord Jesus. You need to thank him, number one, for your spiritual life. Thank him. Thank him that you're saved. Thank him. My goodness, aren't you glad you're saved? And then thank him that he's provided everything you need to live a life of, of, of godliness before him. And then bow before him right here and begin to, to think about these seven qualities that Peter mentioned. 
and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to build on your faith those seven qualities. And then, finally, ask the Lord to help you to be fruitful for his namesake, to glorify him by your attitude and your actions. I encourage you to do that. But let me ask you this. I'm sure there are people. I'm going to ask the worship team and the staff to come. We're going to have a moment of response here in just a second. But I'm going to ask, how many of you in this room, how many of you watching live stream do not even have a spiritual resume? Do you understand that the only way to have a spiritual resume is to have a, a relationship with Jesus? And I want to invite you today to turn from your sins and to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I invite you to come to one of these staff members and they'll help you with your decision. They'll pray for you if you want them to pray for you. But this altar is open for you to come and to pray about these matters that we've talked about today. Maybe you feel led to, to become a part of this church. Maybe you feel led to, to, to sign up for an equip class or, or a connect class. I encourage you to come and just make that commitment real here at this altar today. Hey, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for all you've provided for us. Now, Lord, I pray you would have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.